What's up, everyone? Yes, it is I, your host, Natalie Morrison, and you might be thinking, wasn't this called Swim Masters? Well, yes, it was, and you're definitely in the right place. We decided that we wanted to give the podcast a bit of a makeover, and we're so proud to introduce to you Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast. Don't worry, it's still the same content, still the same hosts. We just wanted to take this to the next level. And we're excited that you're joining us on this fantastic journey. The episode that you're currently listening to was recorded before the name change. And I just wanted to let you know that you are in the right spot. So keep on listening. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for all new episodes of Revoicing the Future, a Women of NAM podcast coming soon. Welcome to Swim Masters, a podcast dedicated to help connect, grow, and support women in the music products industry. I am your host, Natalie Morrison. The Smart Women in Music Fund was established in 2018 by Robin Valenta, Dee Dee Hyde, and Crystal Morris to expand diversity, inclusion, and support for women in the music product space. Twice a month, I will sit down and host virtual conversations with various women across our industry to help foster mentorship and growth. Now, without further ado, Let's dive in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Swim Masters. I'm your host, Natalie Morrison, and I'm with Stephanie Lamond. Woo-hoo. Trying to change up the intro because <laughs> yeah, because it's like <laughs> we- <laughs> intro body. We're coming to you with a special International Women's Day episode. So happy International Women's Day! <laughs> it's exciting. It's great. I know. I'm very excited. But we thought that it would be fun to change it up a little bit on this bonus episode and interview each other. Yeah. And talk about the theme for this year. Yes. Yeah. Which is choose to challenge. Um, So yeah, we're going to pull out some favorite questions that we ask our guests and random ones that we just came up with right now and didn't tell each other what they are. Because we wanted each other to answer them like on the fly. So yeah, we're going to have a short little interview, we think, because we always are talking to other people. So and yeah, like I said last time, I feel like it's important for people to know where we're coming from as we ask these questions and interview people. And maybe there's little little nuggets that are interesting um, for people out of what out of what we've experienced, too. So I'm stoked. So who wants to start? Oh, well, first, let's cue the intro music. I was hoping you would do that. Do we walk rock, paper, scissors? See who goes first? Okay. Yeah. One, two, three. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Got you. Okay. All right. I guess, does that mean I go first or you go first? I think that means you ask me first. Okay, great. Um... That was fun doing it with the lag. Okay, so, well, I guess to start off, my fun questions will come after just a general overview. But I think to work one in, give us a, just like the basic rundown, like looking back, crisscross of how you got to your job at Diderio, um, starting from like when you when you 
first knew you wanted to be in music? And like, it, was there even a, was there, and starting, I guess, was there even a moment that you knew or was it just always like the air you were breathing, you know? It, it was the air that I was breathing. And I think a lot of it has to, a lot of it does have to do with how I was brought up and what my parents instilled in my brother and I, and coming from a family of two incredible musicians that either work in the industry like my father does or teach it or is a teacher like my mom is in music it was never a was never a pressure for myself or my brother and I to go and follow their footsteps and like study music in college but I fell in love with music so much that it it literally is part of my identity like I people ask me like oh if you didn't do music like what would you what would you do? And I can't answer that question because it is music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is no, it, it would be what else in music would I do? Right, right. Exactly. There's like no other. Yeah. So I think when I was looking at like colleges and like what my ideal career path would be when I was in high school, I knew I didn't want to perform and I knew I didn't want to teach because I don't have the patience to deal with children and like, praise to my mom for <laughs> teaching elementary school. Um, I can't do it. Know thyself. Yeah. And, but I was always really fascinated in what my dad did and just the business side of it and kind of being behind the scenes and being the person to like amplify other artists. And I always, in my high school, music was always at the bottom of the totem pole in thing and just the arts in general. And I had to deal with a superintendent who wanted to cut the music program and like all this. So it was, I was always promoting and amplifying why the arts were so important in my particular school. And I was like, you know what, this is really cool. Like I want to continue this in college, but when I went to college, I didn't want to do like the cookie cutter music business degree. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But for me personally, I wanted to have more of a well-rounded education in the marketing and the and the communications aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. Which is why Ithaca was so appealing to me at the time. But then I still wanted to continue on with music as a minor so that I was immersed in this incredible music program and I was playing some of the most beautiful music of our time with college students who are also studying as performance majors or education majors, but then taking what I've learned in school and applying them to internships specifically in the music industry so that I had that experience. And I have to be honest, I had a really hard time after graduation. And I think I've said this a bunch of times um, and I, I just couldn't get a job mm -hmm. and I applied to every organization that had a job opening at an entry level that I thought that I was potentially qualified for. And it's just, again, you're sending an application into an abyss. So real. So that was really difficult. Um, but I, I was literally talking to my dad about this over the weekend. Um, cause ironically my three year anniversary at Tadario was on Monday. What? <laughs> No way. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? Like, oh, yeah. How like that fly? I, 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 I don't know. I can't believe it. But in 2018, I found out two weeks before the NAM show that I was going to come out 
and work part-time on the PR team um, as I've done in years past. But that year in particular, like it was very, I wasn't sure what I was going to be doing. And luckily Shalise was like, yes, like come. And I took the time that I wasn't working the PR stuff to set meetings up with everyone that I could possibly think of. Yeah. And I met with Peter Giles from Giles Communications and he was like, I really want to bring you on as a freelancer. And he presented me this opportunity to work on the band and orchestra account for Yamaha with his company. And then I met with Suzanne D'Addario, which I've talked about. And she was like, I'm going to pass your information along to our media director at the time. And a week later, I was brought in for an interview. And I started as an intern and I transitioned to freelance. And then the crazy thing is that the media director at the time, it's like November of 2018, pulled me aside and he said that he was leaving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that this role was mine. <laughs> no biggie. Casual. <laughs> 20, 23 years old. <laughs> I remember you being like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Um, and obviously yes. <laughs> not not to the extent obviously the role wasn't to the extent because we were doing some rearranging in the department but I was basically taking on the PR and the advertising aspect of the role um and yeah I've been with the Diderio ever since and we just started year three so <laughs> that is Amazing. the I don't know. That was a very long answer, but no, that's exactly that it. Is, we wanted the overview. That's yeah, perfect. that's my little overview. What, um, two things. What I think is really interesting about too, once you made it to Diderio, like the importance of outside mentoring, because you were taking, you were saddled with a lot of responsibility very quickly. And I really admire how you've held on to these or not held on to, but like fostered your, um, your, your mentors for lack of a better word, like, like Peter Giles specifically too, like people outside of your company that, that you can learn from still. And like, that's like a really good skill that I feel like has done good things for you. Right. Like that, that's a really good, like do it, do this kind of thing. We could, we could pass along to early in their career people. Yeah, definitely. I, and I think a lot of it stems from the fact that I'm the only person at Diderio that does what I do. Yeah. And I can bounce ideas off of like my boss or whoever, anyone else for that matter, who I value their opinion. Um, but I don't have like that partner, that partner in crime that I can just be like, okay, like let's talk strategy on this release. Like, how do you want to handle and tackle this? Or like, what does this look like? And mm -hmm. I think maintaining those relationships that I've built throughout my tenure of internships and just being in the industry has just helped me reach out to them and just ask them to pick their brain, like, mm -hmm. and just get advice whenever I, whenever I need it. Cause sometimes it can feel like I'm on my own little island. And I hope if anyone at Diderio is listening to this, it's, I'm good. Like we're we're good. Like 
I'm okay. Like everything's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> it's the small team struggle, man. Like, yeah, as I've I've been there. Small. Sometimes you don't have a giant. Often in the music industry, actually, unless you're real, real big in corporate, and I don't even know what that would be because I feel like I'm almost in the definition of music industry big and corporate now and like I'm I'm my only cell phone I mean I have an entire country of people to pull from but in my team I'm the only one of me right so like it's often you'll be your own self and um yeah finding ways to survive like that as as especially as an external processor (laughs) and someone that really likes working in teams is very important I think yeah I like to feed off of other people which is also like part of the reason I'm not, I'm not going to go on this tangent, but like that I miss being in the office mm. because it was so easy to just look at, like turn around and be like, Hey, yeah. What do you think of this? How are you specifically, specifically combating that now in COVID? What has been your survival tactic for, for getting around that in COVID? I think I'm still figuring it out. Fair. That's very fair. At, honestly, at first it was a little overwhelming just thinking like it's it's hard because I'm in meet we're like either I'm in meetings all day or I'm catching up on all the work that I need to do and I'm not in meetings all day and mm-hmm. I think just I have a checklist of things that like I need to do and people I need to talk to and I'll like message someone and be like, Hey, do you have like five minutes or like, Hey, FYI, I'm going to schedule like five minutes at the end of the day so that we could like just hash out like this one little thing or pick your brain about X, Y, and Z. I just think it's always a learning. It's going to be a learning curve and you're just going to, it's trial and error. You're just going to figure out how it bends itself. Totally. 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 Um, real quick. Cause I feel like it's, it's relevant. What d- describe to listeners who Bob Morrison is and the the <laughs> environment that you no, but it, I feel like it's a thing. So we talk about our dads a lot. So just a quick a quick summary of your dad and his his career, um, and that yeah, as as the air we talk about that you were breathing, right? What what you were around as you were growing up? Oh my gosh, my dad is listening. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> I hope I don't bother. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, um, basically so. My dad has been the forefront of music education advocacy, but his career has did not start that way. He started out at Pearl. He started out wanting to be a performer. He wanted to play. He's a drummer. He just wanted, that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to play. And he realized really quickly that he didn't, he, he, he couldn't do that. And that was not going to be something that would be a sustainable career for him. He he then made his way over to Pearl um, and worked on product, I think product development or something along those lines, and then ended up at Nam in a role similar to what, like what market was that market development? Yeah, he was in that. I role, think it's right? market development. Yeah, yeah. So he did market development at Nam um, for several several years, and then I was born. And then he left Nam because um, he was given the opportunity to launch uh, VH1 Save the Music, and he did that for several years. And then he launched his own company, um, Music for All, which then merged with Bands of America. And now he owns 
and operates his own arts education research company. See, I'm telling you, it's like, it's <laughs> no, just but it's all great. It's awesome. Um, yeah, he runs his own arts education research company, and his goal is to provide public access to data across the country to showcase where um all of our arts programs are and where we need to work on it so that we have so that every single child in the United States has access to music and arts education. Love it. I hope I explained that right. <laughs> it's perfect. No, it's perfect. And I think that does a really good job too of point like painting the and and as your your mom is teacher too like the 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 view but like we're talking about dads here because like they're the ones that were specifically connected to nam um that yeah that that lens of advocacy and education that's so so yeah. strong in your career path i love it so my fun question of that is what is a moment that you can remember where maybe it's the first one where you that you experienced something where you were like i'm in it i've made it like i'm in my i'm in it like i've got the job like i'm in my world like, was there a moment like, cause I've, I've had a moment like that. And I wonder if that's a universal thing where it hits you that you're like, Oh, this is my life. Like I got in, I got in pre like, are we talking like, I'm going to give two answers to that, I think, but w- one in particular, um, Please. it honestly was my very first NAM show. My chef's kissed. <laughs> Was, is that what you're gonna say? I don't know if that's what you're it's, gonna say. That's that's one but of my it, dual answers true. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to get too like emotional about this answer, but growing up, I always felt like an outcast because I was so obsessed with music. And I grew up in a town where it was just sports, 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 and not that there's anything wrong with sports. I just was not into sports. And I (laughs) always had activities outside of my school that had to do with music. So I was always involved in other things so that even though my world in school wasn't music focused, I still had a network of, and I had experiences with my youth orchestra and a choir camp I attended um, over the summer and stuff like that just so that I was in surrounded by people who were like-minded and loved the same things that I did because I felt like I didn't really have that in school mm-hmm. so when I came to the NAM show for the first time I literally just remember standing in the middle of the hall and I like turned around and I was like I'm home <laughs> like I I literally felt like I was surrounded by my people. And I don't know if it also has to do with the fact that like my dad's been in the industry for forever. So I know all of these other people just throughout like walks of life that made it feel even more like a family and a home to me. But that was my aha moment. And I just, I had such NAM withdrawal after that first year. I was like, I don't want to go back to school. Like, (laughs) this is great. Like, could I just like muster in this like the entire time? And I think that like now that people hear this, they're gonna be like, "Oh, that's why Natalie loves Nam so much." I'm like, "Well, yeah," <laughs> um, just from that experience. But I think also when 
I started at Diderio. I, re- I remember getting that same feeling. I remember in my interview that I left that interview and I didn't want to jinx myself, but I was like, no, like this feels right. There's so, like, I like walked out of that interview. I was like, no, 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 this, this feels right. And then I started, I don't know, a few months after I started, like, I felt like at home instantly, but like a few months into it, I just remember being like, no, like this is, I'm doing, I, I have the chance, uh, the opportunity to say that, like, I'm doing what I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Awesome. Great answers. That's great. Um, I just have two more that are short. That can be short. Okay. Um, if you, if there was a theme to sum up your career path up till now. Okay. So I feel like, I feel like we're hitting the end of our early career paths. Like we're, we're in, we, I feel like we're entering the mid career path. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. May I don't know. I don't know if it's like an age milestone, but I feel like we're either in or approaching like the tail end to our early career. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so if there was a theme to sum up that early career journey of like school, getting the gig, blah, 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 what would it be? Roller coaster. There we go. That's good. <laughs> Great. Well, here's the thing, like, you you know, uh, this is nothing on Ithaca, but their whole thing was like, you're going to leave school with a job. Mm. And I didn't leave school with a job. And I was like, okay, what's next? What do I do? And I just went through all these ups and downs and curves and whatnot and it took a lot of um what's the word perseverance i had to patience perseverance but i had patience perseverance but i had to think outside of the box clearly mm. my way to get my foot in the door wasn't working for me and i had to get out of that stubborn mindset of like i graduated college i deserve a job like this attitude of like I don't need an internship. I've got, 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 I got this. Like I've done all these internships who needs another internship mindset. Yeah. I really did. I had to turn that off and be like, no, I have to go. I have to go in through another door and be a little bit more creative on my approach. And that's what worked. Love it. So it's been a roller coaster, but I'm, I'm, I'm sailing a little bit. I mean, there's ups and downs no matter what. Um, <laughs> But you're enjoying it now. It's just like a floofy part. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm just very grateful to say that I have a job. Yeah. Especially during COVID. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. That cannot be taken lightly. We are quite lucky. Um well, but you went through it too. You were furloughed in the beginning. Like you you did the you were yeah. you had a COVID journey of employment for sure. And we're lucky that you're you're back in it. Yeah. But that was that was a process. And I'm just very thankful. I'm just gonna put this in, but I'm very thankful for everything that Diderio has provided for us during this time. Totally. And I'm just very fortunate and lucky to work for an incredible company. So Shout out to you, Diderio. <laughs> Hell yeah. I took care of my girl. We're good. Um, great. So my last question for you. What is one of your favorite moments of women supporting women that you have experienced in your career thus far? Um, or just support in general. But like, what pops in? Honestly, 
I have to say, I don't, I think my experience in the industry would have been very different if it wasn't for my time on the NAM PR team. Mm. We were so fortunate enough to be surrounded by just several incredible women leaders at NAM to coach us and guide us through this crazy five-day experience. But we all came out as stronger women because of it. And that bond that we have, like, I'm just going to shout everyone out. Uh, Laura Bodmer, Claire Block, Samantha, Samantha Prince, and Shalise. My girl Shalise. I just hit myself in the... Um, <laughs> too excited. <laughs> what? Too excited. I hit my headphones. And Shalise, um, you, Miranda, Valeska, Anya... Seriously, I I could not be more grateful for the experience in my time on the NAMPR team and just the sisterhood that has come out of that in particular. Totally. The fact that we went out during this very new digital NAM to get coffees, to send pictures to each other and just make it feel a little bit more normal and just know that we were all there supporting each other from all parts of the country, like was a very emotional thing. And I was like, I'm just very humbled and honored. Great answer. Okay. That's all I got for you. Wow. You've been interviewed. I've been interviewed. Now it's your turn. Your turn in the hot seat. Okay, so I'm going to spin that question, that first question back to you. Give everyone a little bit of a rundown of your journey into the music industry and where you are today. Cool. I, let's see, it started, I feel like it started, well, but similarly to Natalie, I guess it was always the air I was breathing um, because my dad it's kind of tied to my dad's career path as well but I started playing piano when I was like five and so like the 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 I've always been in this like push pull of like the creative side of me and like the business side of me and I'm still in it I think but um so I started playing piano and I just kept playing um and then in high school I guess my first like work I did for it was I taught or I helped teach um the NAM. Uh, museum summer camps for a few years with Aww. Jillian. Mwah, love her. I helped. I was like, I, I mean, teach. I I, I fetched uh, food and juice boxes and stuff, but like I helped with some of the piano lessons. <laughs> so I was very much like, you know, I think it was, I was, I was the runner kind of thing, but, but um, it was so fun. And they were, that was my first, I think like legit thing that I, I did in the industry. Um, and then yeah, but I went to college. I didn't know. I, I My dream always was to like be a film composer um, and be creative. But then I like got freaked out by the idea of going to LA because I'm like a very laid back person. And I didn't know that I could like be competitive. And I didn't know if I wanted to to be part of that ecosystem. So I chickened out and uh, went to Chapman, which has a fantastic film school. The idea was to go there with the film school, but I majored in psychology um, because I was like, I like working with people, which I do. Uh, <laughs> but I just kept like, I was very roundabouting, which is funny because I keep hearing now as I started doing engineering later that like 
being a producer and engineer has so much psychology involved in it. So it was actually not a waste. Um, definitely not a waste at all. Also, like going to college was great outside of what I, I feel like I got more out of the outside of the academics of college than the end of it. But um, anyway, so I went to college, majored in something not related, ended up doing uh, music brain research stuff for my thesis, though, like turned it around to to doing a whole thing on on um, like early childhood education and how it can close the uh, achievement gap and stuff. Um, so kind of was always roundabouty. And then, but my, the main foot was when I started, same with you, working on the NAM PR team, uh, or interning first, and then we got brought on as, as workers, um, assistants, not work, I don't know, I guess we were workers, but that was a weird way to put it. Uh, I think, like, second year of college, I brought, uh, like, a whole gaggle of people the first year to the show um, from, from Chapman, and then the next year, Miranda and I were like, can we, can we, like, be involved? And Laura was like, sure, like, I'll take them, because we were into PR, um, and communications. And that was always like my main foot in the door. And so it was a big struggle for me too, of like, it was such part of my identity, but I felt like I was never actually in it because my day job wasn't it for a long time. But I always had that anchor that was every year I'd get to go to NAM and work on the PR team. And for a little bit, I felt like I'd made it. Um, and I was still finding my way and I'm still finding my way. So I left college and moved home to San Diego for a little bit while I kind of figured out what was next. Um, and I ended up moving up to San Francisco because I love the city. I didn't want to move to LA yet. Again, I was still afraid of it. And I like just love the city. My, my best friend growing up was there and I like sort of followed a boy who I'm no longer with. Um, and I, I, and I didn't know that I, I just assumed there was music industry up here, but I didn't know what. So I, I got up here, I chose the place over the job. So I got up here and, um, was still working remote for this SEO company I was working for in San Diego right out of college doing uh, like website landing pages and stuff for like budget blinds and Oxyfresh. And like, it was, it was, it was franchises specifically. So I was like, Oh, but it was all, I mean, if you're listening for Connect, mwah, great first job. I got to like go to the beach every day at lunch. It was right down, down kind of Carlsbad, but it was not, not necessarily <laughs> what my soul wanted to be doing. Um, and I was working really for them, but then that ended and I, I would stud for a while. And I think I learned most of the things I know about customer service from that. And then, and made it most of my friends in the city too, from that. And then, um, I got, I started working at this website design agency. I was doing, I was working like too much. I was working two jobs, uh, like more than part-time each of them for a while at the being like the office manager of the website design agency. But there they, they started grooming me to be like a project manager, a junior project manager. And that was cool where I started learning, learning how to do all that, which is what I'm doing now. Um, and I also met Tracy, who's now my husband. So I was tight. Um, and then <laughs> I was tight. And I, but again, it wasn't really, it was a, it was like for healthcare and like, uh, uh, financial fintech stuff. It was like, it was like my big girl downtown job. I got to go downtown every day to like a cool tech company <laughs> in San Francisco. But, um, Casual. I, so in the middle of that though, I kept trying to keep my foot in the music world. I was doing them every year. Um, started teaching piano at a nonprofit music school in the city called Blue Bear and started just being there as much as I could. And, um, worked on their events or not worked on, but volunteered for their event staff and, and met one of my main wonderful mentors of my life, Renee Richardson, who was their development director for a long time. Um, and yeah. And then the little bears director position opened up. So I worked out, 
jumped over there and uh, I ran their early childhood program for three years. Uh, so it was zero, to, it was four months to five years was my, my jurisdiction. And I, I ran a, I managed a team of teachers and a bunch of classes all over the city in the Bay area. And it was, and so that was project managing essentially too, though. I was running, I was running a small program. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just great. I loved the people at Blue Bear. It was amazing. And that, that, that was like where I first kind of felt like I was in it too. Cause like my job was in a music I was in, I was in it now. I, I got to leave the downtown tech world and, and finally get back into music. But, um, and then I don't know. And I, and I love Blue Bear, but the, the Little Bear's director position wasn't something that really fit me still. Like I, I loved it and I learned so much, but I found myself being like, okay, there's, there's more that I want to do. There's, or like, there's different things I want to do, not necessarily more. And then, um, yeah, on a whim, I applied to this job that I have now at the Recording Academy, a project manager. And so I'm so stoked to be there. And that's where I am now. So and, and doing what I, I'm like, I don't have any thoughts that I want to leave this job in the near future. I love it. And this is what I want to do. And now I've been able to switch my brain to now like doing my own music and actually recording things and getting back into the creative side of it. Cause I was so obsessed with like making my day job in music. And now I have the mental bandwidth to do my own thing. Oh my God. And even on top. Yes. So that was all the boring stuff. The fun stuff was like three years ago, I started, I thought maybe my day job, I could get out of the work, like the, the, the nine to five and end up being, uh, so I studied to be, I went to women's audio mission, got their level one certificate and started, uh, uh, interning at a studio, Hyde Street Studios, uh, Dream Rack in Studio B, like shout out Trent Berry, Mwah. mentored, mentored the heck out of me, taught me everything I know about engineering and producing. So I, I worked out of there pre-COVID too. I was doing that. Um, and then, uh, uh, what else do I do, Natalie? I was doing, I was, engineering was the main other part of it. Um, I did a few nights of like live sound and then I was like, I can't stay up that late. So I, <laughs> I, I tail between my legs, retreated back out of that world, although it's so fun, but I just can't do it. Um, and and then, I, yeah, I do freelance for a lot of um, uh, Karen Dunn, KMD Productions event stuff, uh, like her website design and and uh, help her run events and everything. So it all, I just kind of have my hands in many different pockets, but my day job is that, and that is the journey of like my music industry life, quote unquote career oh, love it yeah that again I feel like I feel like that was way too long but I'll edit I'll I mean edit you can myself. edit mine but, too <laughs> <laughs> that's the yeah that was the thing that's the that's the perk we're the editors we get to we have the power of what y'all hear so that's the story exactly so I want to dive into some of the things that you've mentioned and this first question I want to preface this a little bit this is why I said I was going to save this response for now. Mm -hmm. But fun fact, when my dad left Nam, he told the Nam president at the time, Larry Lincoln, mm -hmm. wonderful soul, um, that he was leaving, but he didn't want to tell him that he was leaving until he had a replacement for himself. <laughs> <laughs> and... The replacement happens to be your dad. <laughs> Good old Joe Lamont. He Joe Lamont. out and pushed my dad in. Great. Yep. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens. Um, yeah. So that's how our fathers know each other and essentially how we became friends. Um, 
but I'm I'm curious. Did you feel pressure to follow in your dad's footsteps? Was there like not necessarily an outward pressure, but like an underlying one? Or yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, totally. I think, and definitely not outward. It's never been outward. It's all been internal, and I. It's something I really wrestle with. I think I'm ref- I'm getting to a very healthy point of framing it, but like I'm my dad is like my person, and I for a little just background on my dad, he was um, he similar I guess to your dad in the very beginning too. Wanted to be a rock drummer, moved to California, did his, uh, the the most recognizable thing he did was Tommy Two Tone eight six seven five three zero nine. But other than that, he moved into tour managing because he realized that they. He was less indispe- he was less dispensable if he was running the show. So he ended up being a tour manager, did that for a long time, I guess most notably for Todd Rundgren. Um, and for a while, which is then how we met my mom. And then he moved over to Skip's music, was was running a lot of stuff there. And then Nam, your your dad noticed him and was like, ooh, and brought him on as his replacement for Mark Development, because my dad was doing a lot of programming there. And now he's been the president of Nam for Oh my God. I think he's in his like 20th year or something. Cause I'm 27 now. And I was like eight. I was eight when we moved to San Diego from NorCal. And so it's gotta be at least, yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Cause he was commuting for a while in the very beginning from NorCal to SoCal too. So yeah, it's been the majority of my life. He's been either at NAM and or the president of NAM. And I, and also like his career before, like I just wanted to be my dad. So like it was not even that there was any pressure to like follow in his footsteps. I was just like, I, he was my hero. Like I just wanted to, to I wanted to be him. I wanted to do all that. And um, I think where the friction has always been is that I'm not my dad. And we are very, we're similar people, but also we're really different people. And so reconciling like, like I'm not ever going to give up that creative part of me, but I've not focused on it, I think, in favor of thinking that I needed to be following so closely in my dad's footsteps. You know, like I didn't, I, my first thought was business rather than just like be creative and think about it later, you know, which I think is also just a good survival skill though. I think like I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's like a, the, real like you know the the don't starve mentality like i i i know how to provide for myself um and maybe that'll serve me well down the line it it's it's certainly well now so i don't know but it's it's i i have i i often have moments where i look back and i'm like well if i wish i had just like gone to chapman but done music composition or just you know committed right off the bat and where could i be now um but i also really like where i am now yeah but that's what uh, is this something that i really admire about you in particular is you have always had I don't want to call it a chip on your shoulder but you always in the back of your head like you you're like no I I want to be creative I want to write I want to play the fact that like you spent every Nam every lunch at Nam in the room full of pianos just playing like (laughs) you and you've had like various different ways of going about being that creative person. And now you're playing shows and you're going to write an album, like you're about to record an album and you've written some incredible songs. And I've just like watched you through this process, but you've never given up that creative part of you. And that's something that I truly admire because 
you know what you want and you you know you're gonna get there but just watching you kind of like weave your way through it has been just really inspiring oh that's beautiful thanks I need to hear that that's awesome thank you (laughs) (laughs) but I think also I think that's why we're such good friends too is because we have this shared experience that no Mm -hmm. one else can relate to (laughs) yeah yeah I uh, somebody referred to the other uh there was yeah somebody brought up like I guess um he's friends with Bob Moog's daughter who now runs a huge part of that and like or I think she runs the Bob Moog Foundation I don't know we should look her up because she sounds cool but she called it like BMDS Bob Moog daughter Bob Moog's daughter syndrome like you like we are defined by that but I think like that's really cool or, or we have been thus far but I think we're very lucky that the people that we are standing on the shoulders of in that way like made a really good path for us to do so like i'm oh yeah we're our own we're our own person yeah and we found our own paths too so and and just in terms of what we talk about with like visibility that was huge like when i say like i wanted to be my dad like i i'm so grateful i knew what was possible because he was my dad like oh right so it's a process and i'm still figuring it out but he was great and had no external pressure, literally none. He was just, going back to that first like, question, so, but, but <laughs> yeah, right. Actually, winding our way back, no, no pressure. But he seems, I think, he's happy that I have followed in his footsteps to the extent that I have. Um, yeah, yeah, I hope I so. Love it. It's so cute. Um, I've always, I've actually always wanted to ask you this question, and now I have the opportunity to do so. So I'm very excited. Yes. So obviously, like you've always had the creative side, like the creative side in you, but what was the moment when you decided that you wanted to go down the audio engineering path? Ooh, Ooh, that's fun. Oh, that's good. That's well. So it goes back to, Oh, so my freshman year of high school, I ended up uh, getting in with our theater program and I was, uh, they they placed me or I did like theater tech because um, I didn't make the musical, but uh, they put me on. I was the sound assistant. And so I learned uh, it was live sound. So that was my first thing, like learned how to wrap a cable. Like I got to trigger the sound effects for the show. Like I wasn't leading anything big time, but like I got a taste of like, I feel like I had kernels of those moments of like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing too. Like this is so cool and giant long story short that imploded for a lot of different reasons and I left that school um and went back to to where I went to high school and so like I think partially I didn't go back to it for a long time because I was like super traumatized by like that's a story for another time but like it's a very defining part of my life was that uh and so I never went back to it um and until like when was I think I think bringing it back was like I got to go. My dad was up in the Bay Area uh, when I was at Blue Bear, and he took me. Uh, he was doing just like a tour of like meeting with members and stuff. Um, and uh, one of them was the the Queen Leslie Ann Jones gave us a tour of Skywalker because he was just going to catch up with her, but she knew uh, he he told her I was super into everything. Um, so she gave us a tour, and now now she's on the recording academy board she's a trustee like I got uh, I get to see her on zooms all the time and I just keep pinching myself but she brought us into like the main tracking room 
and like sat a, sat me down behind like the giant console for where they put all the orchestras and stuff and like just played like 30 seconds of a score that they'd recorded earlier that day and like they they were like talking behind me but I was just sitting there with like the whole and I was just like 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 I was like crying it was like like, oh it's so being being in a studio and behind a board and like hearing things being recorded and the magic of that energy is like uh and I got on to play I got into play session piano for a buddy um that I met through Blue Bear too. And just whenever I've been in a studio, I have just been like, this is, this is it. And so that I was remembering them those moments. And then there was like a moment where I was, I was in a low point of like, like, again, I loved Blue Bear, but like part of my job was like very stressful and that I'd have to drop everything I thought I'd do. And like sub that day, if a teacher was sick and that was like, that wreaked absolute havoc on my anxiety. So I had a hard time with that. So I was, I had like, a, I was having a low point of like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And so thinking about what uh, I loved. And I was like, I just love being in studios. Like, shit, let's, I should learn how to do it. And so that's how I started. And I still love it. So I don't, I, I and now I'm, you know, I, I feel like when, when things come back, I'm going to be doing a lot of meetings in studios for Recording Academy and stuff. Uh, we do a lot of studio tours. So it'll, I feel like I've also found a way to keep it very revolving around it. But I, I just, I love being in studios. Um, so it's been really cool to also like find my way back into that because uh, it took me a really long time. I love that. Oh, that's such a cool story. Right? I love it. And I I'm sure there's it. an earlier time where like I got to be like behind a board with my dad or something at a concert. But like mostly I think about those early days in high school and then um, finding my way back to it through those little kernels. Good shit. I love it. Do you have final question? Do you have an aha moment where you were like, I made it? Yeah. Yeah. My, I always think there was, um, when I first got my job at Blue Bear, I got to, uh, Renee that I talked about, uh, mentor queen. She was the, she was a radio host for a long time in the Bay area, uh, with this guy, Irish Greg, fabulous people love them so much. It was Renee and Irish Greg's morning show. Uh, and now they do Renee and Irish Greg's podcast. And that was the early days of the podcast where they were doing it, um, they did remote concerts and then, or not remote concerts, uh, pop-up concerts. And then they would, and like do interviews and stuff. And they'd take the set, the board recording um, and release it as a podcast. And I would go and I was like the bartender for that for a long time. Like she just was like, you want to make a couple bucks? It's like, sure. So I would go and just be behind the bar. Cause like a local brewery would donate beer and it was all a fundraiser for Blue Bear. And, um, but that one of them was at this cool place called Amato's, which, uh, they, they, I think that was the last one they even did there, but it was this really cool place that like had a very speakeasy vibe. Like you were, had it upstairs. It was old and wooden and beautiful. It was down in, on Valencia and I believe like 18th down in the mission. Um, and then you went down these side stairs and it was an underground little like venue room. And there was a small stage mm. and it was beautifully lit all like, it felt like, it felt like a speakeasy, like an old school, like hidden kind of place. And there was, I think it was, um, it was this, it was this guy, Matt Jaffe was playing and he, is such a sweet guy and he is a, a friend of blue bear too so i like i i've gotten to know him longer too but he's he's beautiful he's a 
beautifully talented uh, uh, musician. And so he was playing and, and being interviewed and stuff. And I just, the, the music and that atmosphere, like I was sitting there and again, like I was like, like I, I was just looking around like, this is what I do. Like, I'm going to get to be, I'm going to, and it wasn't a moment of like, oh, I wish I could do this all the time. It was like, I'm going to get to do this all the time. And so that was just like being around live music and being in a cool space was, yeah. But that, that, that first pop-up with Matt where I got to sit there and be like, I made it. Ugh. I did it. Yay. Look at us. Look at us. And look at where it's just, it's just starting. It's just the beginning. I know. Yeah. So to wrap this up, I think obviously since this is folk, we're, it's International Women's Day. So we obviously want to talk about International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. So... I'm going to throw it to you, Steph, and then you could throw it back to me. Um, but the theme this year, as we mentioned, is choose to challenge. So what are you choosing to challenge this year? And what do you hope for the future of the music industry? Hmm. It's so broad. Which is great because it means everybody can apply it to their own selves and, and their own lens and stuff. I think I think the what I'm choosing to challenge this year in like a macro lens of the world and our our industry and our life is like the, just the status quo of of what it always has been and like especially in my lens of being an engineer and a producer, like the stats are crazy of like there's like well, the stats are wild, not crazy. Get away from that. Um it, there, it's like a very small percentage of, of producers and engineers working in popular music are female or women identifying. And um, that's not how it should be. So, but that's already, I feel like there's so many really cool ways there are pl- places that are addressing that and working on it and stuff. But I think even further is taking it into like, just, just representation across the board. Like how, I don't know how I will do this other than like what we're trying to do with like, finding cool people to like tell the stories and, and tell their own stories. But I guess, I guess that's my intention is like, I'm, I am a storyteller and I am a, uh, creative. And so how do I use that to elevate other people? And I think challenging what people's beliefs are and perspective perceptions of what is possible and who's out there too, like that might, I think that's what I'm going to work on is finding stories that people need to hear and helping either helping people tell them like lifting them up just spreading challenging challenging perceptions of the status quo i think now that i've externally processed that but that feels right um yeah and i and i hope that we'll get to a point like laura said in our last episode like where it's just awesome humans in the industry like i'm excited like we're we're in a period of dynamic beautiful change and I'm excited to get to the point where it has leveled out and things are, and, and, and hopefully I, we have to believe it will get here, but like to the point where the change has settled, the world is a more equitable place and we're all just, the status quo is everybody at the table. Um, and, and just, and everybody celebrated for their uniqueness and their differences and their stories. Like, Oh God, like I don't, I hate the idea of like, 
the not seeing color future because like everybody's color is so beautiful and so important and so badass. And so that's part of like the storytelling thing. And I'm, I just, I, I, I look forward to a time when I can hear all these stories that we don't know yet too. So oh, that was so beautifully said. Thanks. <laughs> I've been trying to process it. I was reading a cool thing today about that. So that, that feels good. What about you? Very similar. Um, I'm I'm choosing to challenge others to listen and mm. to really take a step back and see what's what's around us in the industry. Because if we take that step back and look with wider eyes and see where things need to change and how to make sure that we're representative of everyone in the industry and what the industry truly does look like, um, having people step back and see that hopefully that will encourage more people to speak up and challenge things and... um yeah, I, I'm trying to externally process this as I'm saying it out loud, but I think a big thing with this podcast is, and especially in the music products industry, is of course shining the light on all of these incredible women that we that have worked in this industry or are just entering the industry and giving them that platform is doing so much more than we think because we're actually putting eyes mm. on the incredible work that so many so many of the women in our industry are doing that has hasn't necessarily been recognized in the past and i'm and i'm really glad to be able to provide that it's not about me. It's like, it's about everyone else. And I just want people to recognize that. And I'm just, I'm just hoping that our efforts continue to make the industry and the world a better place. That is my hope. And that's what I'm challenging others to do. Hell yeah. I like it. That's a very good one. That's good. I hope that was eloquently said because in my head I'm like, <laughs> I think this is what I'm trying to say. No, it was beautiful. That's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. And I think for us too, just a challenge, we're challenging ourselves to find more awesome people to be on this and to tell their stories. So also with that, anybody's listened this far in our in our conversation, send us people that you dig that was like we're we're still going off of our connections, but um, we don't know everybody. So send us your people that you want us to talk to because we would love to meet them and yeah. talk to them and lift them up um, as much as we are able. And to all the women in the industry, um, we see you. We hear you. We love you. <laughs> this is our day. Yeah. Rock it. And... Let's just celebrate each other. Yeah. Yeah, sisterhood. Tight. Well, Steph, I think 
everyone's listened to us ramble yeah exactly <laughs> thank you all for for caring if you care if you've listened it's fun to it's just fun to talk to you and like talk about the stuff i love deep conversations oh me too they fill my soul me too and i hope this gives other people a little glimpse of who we are because we mm-hmm. just like again we're shining the light on other people yeah we're learning we are learning as we go and learning from all these people as we go that's where that's kind of fun our listeners can think of us as like we're like the the universal narrator like we're just another set of gals starting off on their careers uh yeah you know i like insert yourself into our seat and um that's that's the lens just same same kind of vibe yay well i think that's a wrap thank you for tuning in We'll have another episode coming soon. It's been real. (laughs) It's been fun. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Swim Masters. Don't forget to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn to stay up to date on all new things swim. We'd love it if you'd share and leave us a review. If you would like to learn more, please visit www.smartwomeninmusic.org. This episode was co-produced and edited by Stephanie Lamond and Natalie Morrison. See you next time.